to the Tony Acosta Show. Tony is a top producing broker whose team has consistently been in the top 1% in the state of Utah. He is a chapter president for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals and a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. His insights have helped dozens of agents reach success in their business and his passion for training drives him daily. Here's the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into episode seven of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's New Year's week, so it's time to make those New Year's New Year's New Year's resolutions. Don't edit that. New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals um, to get 2020 off on the right foot. quickly after I buy my house, can I sell it? That's a tough question, um, but it's a great one. It depends on how you bought it. Let me explain. If you purchased your home with an FHA loan, there's a rule that says that you have to wait at least 90 days in order to be able to sell it. That's the minimum. Uh, if you have a conventional loan, you can pretty much sell it whenever you want. But the important thing to remember here is that selling a property is not free. There's a lot of things that you have to pay, not only just agents commissions, but you have to you know, pay for your own closing costs, depending on the buyer that wants to buy your property, they might need closing costs. So there are a lot of uh, things that have to be paid. There's a lot of costs to selling a property. So usually you have to wait at least until your home appreciates enough that you can sell and not be upside down, if that makes sense. Because otherwise, if you try to sell right away and you have all these costs and your home hasn't increased in value, then it's gonna cost you money to sell your house. And unless you're in a desperate situation, nobody wants to pay to sell their house. It doesn't make sense. Most people wanna sell to make money. Money. So the real answer is whenever you want, but my advice is don't sell it, obviously, until you can at least make some money. Thoughts on tech consumption by young children. So I get this question a lot, uh, and it's something that we were actually talking about in the office a couple of days ago, because I have a three-year-old, and uh, some people in, in my office also have young kids, and so we were talking about you know, kids and tech. For example, my son, he he's stuck to the iPad all day long, and some people think that's a good thing, some people think that that's a bad thing, and I think that there has to be a balance. Um, the only vantage point that I have is is my own son, so I'll talk about him. You know, Elijah, he's he watching videos has, has really helped him in terms of speech you know he's really smart he can you know he knows how to move all the tabs on the iPad so you know that kind of knowledge is helpful because that's the world that he's gonna live in right we're gonna live in a world filled with tech if we're in it now you, you can imagine 20 25 years from now that's the world that he's gonna live in so I like the fact that he's he's quick and he's capable um, with technology but at the same time kids have to have time to develop their social skills so he can't be just stuck to the iPad all day long like we try to work really hard for him to have interaction with other kids, take him to the park, you know, give him some physical activity. So there has to be a balance, but you can't vilify, I mean, you, you can't vilify the use of technology 100% because it does help them learn. I mean, I've seen it myself. It's helped Elijah, you know, from learning songs to, you know, just really helps him with, with uh, his speech and, you know, recognizing colors and things like that. So it also depends what they're watching. But um, again, there has to be a balance. So you can't go to either extreme or it's just a bad idea. 
The seller of my house was supposed to leave the fridge and they took it. What should I have done? So if the seller of the house that you bought took the fridge, the first thing you have to do is check your contract. Um, I've seen a lot of cases where sometimes the contract from the, from the beginning never included the fridge in the first place and you think it did because it was there. So the first thing you have to do is check your Repsy, check your contract and see if it indeed included the refrigerator. And if it did, then you have all the right in the world to go after the seller. I mean, talk to their agent, have your agent talk to their agent and you know they have to return it because it's part of the contract. Um, what I fear is if it wasn't in there in the first place because of a mistake or whatever, if that's the case, then you know tough you're gonna have to buy your own fridge but if it's on the contract go get it what is your advice for small business owners with limited budgets so in my community there's a ton of small business owners and I've had the opportunity to have or have the opportunity to have a lot of friends who are business owners and we talk about this all the time when we get together you know we talk about business I have friends who are DJs I have friends who are restaurant owners I have friends who are you know agents loan officers uh, all sorts of different things so we talk about marketing often so if you're a small business and you don't have a lot of money to put towards your advertising what do you do in my opinion not everybody agrees on this but in my opinion the number one place to put your money is Facebook um, Facebook is still incredibly under priced number one and number two not a lot of people are using it and I guess number three is the people that are using it rarely use it correctly um, so if you're let's say a restaurant owner there's so much opportunity on Facebook there's so many you know from classified groups to building your own page to using your personal page if you have good content uh, content from you know videos talk about your menu talk about client experiences reviews there's so much that you can do but you have to put it out there and then boost those posts through Facebook in your area in order to be able to get maximum traction so um, if you trying to you know, bring in new customers you know make some great promotions for example or coupons things like that and then boost those let's say you know your town your city or X number of miles around your restaurant and if the content is good people will start to come the reason why I like Facebook is because it has a share it has the ability to share content unlike Instagram and unlike YouTube people can share stuff on Facebook so um, especially if you're you know, targeting an older de demographic people are very likely to share good content or if you build promotions around sharing your video sharing your content to create the viral loop uh, Facebook is the place to do it you can do you know outside things like billboards TV radio but it's very very expensive so if you have a limited budget create good content put it on Facebook and boost it in your area and you'll win I have a real estate agent, but I don't trust him very much. What can I do? Can I work with you instead? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, and it's a question that I can't really answer. So I'm just gonna give you you know, my two cents on this. Um, the reason why I can't answer it is because by law, if you have an agent, that's your agent. And I can't give you advice. So, so that you don't get me in trouble, the real answer is, I don't know. But if we go a little bit deeper, if there's somebody out there, I'm not talking to you specifically because you can get me in trouble, but if there's somebody out there that is working with an agent and they're not really comfortable, um, two things that you have to do. Number one, 
you should have an agreement with that agent. And if you do, then you just have to see when it expires. Or if you absolutely don't want it, you can approach the agent and ask them to terminate that agreement and set you free, basically. Now, some agents will do it, some agents won't. Some agents will hold you hostage until the agreement expires. It just kind of depends. Um, but I can't tell you, go and cancel your contract and then come work with me. The only thing that I can tell you is, if you're not happy, have that conversation with your agent. If your agreement is in place, you can try to break it if you want. You can wait until it, it expires. And then from that point forward, you're free to do whatever you want. What happens if I find a problem with my house after I buy it? So this happens a lot, actually. Um, so what you have to remember, guys, is that if you're buying a home, even if it's a new home, things can always happen. Uh, especially if you're buying a home that is maybe a little bit older or is old, um, you always have the risk of something happening. So the question is, what happened? And if you're a buyer, you should have received something called the seller's disclosures. The seller's disclosures is basically a questionnaire where the seller tells you everything that they know about the property. So again, it depends what happened because if something happened that was a previous problem and you can prove that it's a problem that has lingered for a long time and it wasn't on the seller's disclosures, it was something that the seller was supposed to disclose and they didn't, then you have a legal basis to go after them. But if it's you know just something that just happened, um, you can use your home warranty if you have one and see if your home warranty will cover. Uh, you can, if it's something really, really bad, you can make a claim with your insurance. Uh, but again, you always have that risk. So a lot of buyers, what they what they try to do is they have an issue with the home three, four, five, six months after they buy it and they wanna come back to the seller just because. And it doesn't work that way, guys. You have to assume the responsibility that from the day you close on, the home is now yours and you might have issues. That's why you have things like home warranties to protect you. But again, unless you can prove that the seller um, hid information from you or they were supposed to disclose something and they didn't, unless you can prove it and you can prove that the problem that you're having existed prior, there's not really a whole lot that you can do. Now it's your house and you kind of have to deal with it. How do you deal with burnout? Burnout's tough, guys, and I've I felt it a lot because, you know, and I I often make the joke that sometimes I envy some of my family members who have, I guess, normal jobs, you could say, because like, for example, my dad, so he works from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., right? Usually five days a week, which is a crazy schedule. But at 5 p.m., he's done. Like he goes home and he's chilling and he doesn't have to think about work at all until the next day, or if it's a weekend, he completely disconnects from work and that's it. In my case, it's not like that. Like I ha I'm still writing emails at 10.30 at night. I get text messages. I mean, I've gotten text messages, text messages from clients at one in the morning, like it never ends. So the way that I try to deal with burnout is just try to take some days off and, and, and it's really hard to do because we're still at a point where we're still doing a lot of the things on our own even though we have a team, but um, it's my job, you know? And if you wanna build a business, and here's where I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand the concept. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they say, oh, I wanna have a business so that I can have time freedom. And actually, it's the reverse. 
If you want real time freedom, go get a job because then you can plan your times and you have time freedom from 4 p.m. on, you have time freedom. If you're gonna be an entrepreneur, you don't have time freedom, guys. That's kind of the misconception and it doesn't exist. I don't have time freedom. Like if, if somebody calls me, I gotta pick up the phone. If I get an email at 8.30, 9, 10.30 at night, I have to respond and clients expect me to respond and it's really hard to get away. I mean, I've had trips, I remember a couple of years ago, we were uh, at Disney World with my family and I was on my laptop. I was writing contracts, I was writing offers, I was on the phone, I was negotiating. Just this last, just a couple of months ago in October, we went to Disneyland and I was on the phone for like two hours throughout the day because I have to be. So um, mentally it's really tough to kind of work through that. You just have to be patient and that's why I always say that it takes a certain kind of person to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody can do it because your life will be interrupted time and time and time again. Um, so the way I deal with it is try to take time off but understand that I chose this and that if I chose this and I want to grow it, it just, it's, it comes with the territory and I can't really complain about it. But if you want time freedom, don't start a business, go get a job.